Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild, Big Game Hunting Podcast. We are doing our little uh, Howl for Wildlife Conservation Corner. And uh, I have Tanner Danish on with us, and he's out of um, out of Canada, runs a company called uh, Frontiersman Gear. And uh, he's been really outspoken on the issues that are going on right now. There's the the easy way to put it is they're coming for caribou hunting and moose hunting in Canada, and um, there's a lot of little shady tricks going on with this uh, new thing that they're. In. I don't know if it's a is it a bill? Is it like considered a bill or is it just a I don't know piece of legislation of some sort? Obviously. So in BC, how they go about doing it is they do a proposed regulation changes. Mm. So. Um, we don't really have that same bill system that you guys do down in the down in the states. So basically, the we, the provincial government comes together, however they decide to do it behind behind the scenes, and they come up with these regulation changes. And um, it's supposed to happen every two years, but this one is coming in the middle of nowhere, kind of coming out of lo- left field, like we'll get into with. Uh, there's a uh, hundred different little nuanced things that are going on with it, and it's pretty ridiculous yeah yeah for sure well look, give us a little rundown about yourself because uh, i did a piss poor job of introducing you there so um <laughs> and then we'll jump into it here yeah uh, so my name is tanner danish i own uh, frontiersman gear uh we're just a small business knife making company out of northern bc i grew up in norman wells north of territories kind of in the in the middle of nowhere and then you go a little farther north um i couldn't tell by your accent <laughs> And uh, so grew up like legitimately sustenance hunting off of uh, caribou and and walrus and so many other things that uh, they hunt up there. I grew up doing that, moved down to uh, the Peace Country area is what we call the northern BC area. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we just continued that way of life of hunting moose and elk and everything else that uh, we have available. I mean, BC is one of the we are extremely lucky here with the amount and quality of animals that we have and we have so many different species mm-hmm. and this is kind of uh we've had we've had small attacks before on wildlife here whether it's you know antis going after predator management mm-hmm. um but this is the first massive kind of kick in the teeth that we've had here to wildlife management in basically in bc recorded history yeah it's um it's the first well, I shouldn't say the first time because didn't like in two thousand and sixteen um they go didn't they go after the um what's the name of that river herd? Oh my god. My brain. Um this would have been by Quebec. This would have been in BC. Oh. Yeah. It so was like originally they, they was like did. one of the largest herds. Now it's it's understandable, but I know they did there was some mismanagement there for a few years and i definitely and yeah that was that quebec labrador herd of the caribou over there yeah, and it was like a million um, strong at one point yeah it's, a, it's not not a small number and i'm not very i'm not very into what what happened in that case um mm-hmm. during that same time we were kind of dealing with the grizzly bear closure here in bc right um that's that's kind of last kick in the kick in the face we had and unfortunately it went through um are we ever going to see care or grizzly bear hunting again here in bc probably not but um i don't know you guys anyways, put together the right you guys put together the right stuff maybe we can uh get half wildlife involved and and talk to a few people um and 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 get that you know get some weight behind it here and that's yeah, something. I mean, I don't want to keep fighting for things that were, you know, I don't want to keep fighting to not lose things. I, I want to fight mm-hmm. to get some of the stuff back. You know, that's my and that, my main goal. And I think that's the amazing change that we're seeing, like with with Howl, that there it's not it's not always sitting on our heels. It's getting back on our toes and kind of it's it's not about fighting. It's not about bringing the attack to them or anything like that. It's just you no. know keeping. What never should have happened, just reversing these things that never should have went through in the first place. Absolutely. But, yeah. I was, but sorry, I was I kind of cut you off. Go ahead and uh, 
give us a give us the tour of what's going on over there. Well, it's uh, it's a bit of a there's a shady past to how this started and then it's turned into lots of misinformation and shadier stuff going on in the back or in the in the background so i i think it's important to bring it all the way back to the beginning sure um, absolutely and how this all started so in june of last year the bc supreme court they they uh, sided with the treaty eight first nations uh, in Indian band, which is Northern BC in this area. And it actually stretches over into Alberta. Um, they sided with them that due to encroaching industry and unrestricted uh, resource extraction, that the first nation's way of life had been impacted due to that. Okay. Um, treat the part of treaty eight, which is the Canada's uh, treaty with these bands that are in that area is that basically they, uh, they do have control over their resource, so stuff like logging, oil and gas, which is massive in that area, and all of that stuff. And it basically went, the government just uh, bulldozed all of it, ran over, and just did, did whatever they want for a massive period of time. Mm-hmm. So that gets approved, and a plan has to get put in place by the BC government on how they're going to uh, rectify what they did. Um this the main band that pushed this through was the Blueberry River First Nations, and it, it was nowhere nowhere in the discussions was hunting ever brought up. Okay. BC licensed hunters was never a part of this discussion. It was no science or information ever came up. It was completely a, a conversation and uh, a lawsuit around infrastructure and how resource extraction has affected them. Okay. About a month ago, these rumors start piling up of coming from, um, and I guess I shouldn't say here, else maybe some people are going to get in trouble. But certain individuals that were in these meetings and saying, "Hey, look, their their plan of of um, of giving back to the First Nations it has nothing to do with money or or resources. They're going after hunting." And everybody here in BC, you know, rumors spread like any anywhere else. So nobody really thought anything of it until about uh, four or five days ago when um, it's not like you get an email or anything else like that. Somebody that was scouring the BC uh, hunting website that we have, the portal that we have, mm-hmm. um, sees a proposed, a proposed plan going through for the complete closure of caribou hunting in Region 7B, which is uh, Treaty 8 and a 50% moose reduction uh, targeted uh, by li- changing over our entire open season to a limited entry hunting opportunity, which is the lottery system. Right. It's the same. Our, our, all of BC is on this limited entry hunting. So we get kind of slapped in the face by this and kind of like we're talking about, now we're back on our healer, heels trying to figure out how this happened and how the hell we can stop it. Um. A little bit of information for those that um, maybe don't understand the vast area that we have here in BC and the amount of wildlife we have. Just in Region 7B, which is uh, one of eight or nine regions in BC, uh, we we have roughly 50 to 60,000 moose in this area. And just that one unit. Or region in just seven in just seven B, it's a lot of moose. Right. <laughs> it's a massive area. Uh, a lot of it is uh, like true backcountry area where you could walk for days and not and not run into a road or see another person. And our average harvest rate is roughly two percent of that. So we every year we the average resident harvest is twelve hundred moose out of that population. Okay, um, so real low impact. The, very low and they say the maintainable numbers is between five to 15 percent so we are well we're not even half of what they should say anyways so um around the moose they want to reduce that harvest to only one percent they want to cut that down and then you get into the caribou side we've we've sunk a massive amount of money into maintaining our caribou populations in bc Mm -hmm. in that area we have uh 3500 caribou in that one area in the mountain and they're all 
very mountainous areas, remote right. areas. We don't have caribou just walking through downtown. So they're very remote protected herds and our harvest number is uh, like 0.5% of their population. The average resident harvest is only 17 caribou out of here. Right. Um, so very maintainable. And now they're saying again, complete closure of caribou. We won't, we don't want to see it at all. And aren't they also hitting mountain goat hunting too, or something came up about mountain goat hunting? Yeah. So this is where the kind of backdoor really sketchy side to this whole story starts becoming apparent. So actually before the mountain goat thing happens, um, we, through more digging on the BC website. Mm -hmm. um, so to kind of clarify, every two years, BC government puts through a synopsis change, they call it. Mm -hmm. So every two years they, they present to, for public comment, they say, hey, we want to make this change, this change, this change. And it's a list of 40 different synopsis changes. Okay. Not very many people look at it. We try and put it out there to look at it. Not many people do. One of those changes, which is, one of these backdoor sketchy things that they did was a harmonization proposal for to unify the moose and the caribou uh, seasons from 7B, 7A to 6. So okay. in all three of those regions, some open, you know, August 1st, some open August 15th, some end October, like 15 days earlier in October, they just bounce all around. So in this proposed bill, they want to harmonize, make all the seasons exactly the same, which a lot of people approved of because it makes it easier for, to make sure you're not breaking any laws, any of that standard bullshit. But right. then um, nobody saw coming of these closures because if this harmonized system goes through, then these closures for 7B would then spread to 7A and 6 as well, which is essentially <laughs> it's essentially 40% of BC. It's a massive area. Uh, okay. Um, so what you're saying is that if they harmonize all, all the units that have the same date uh, for, you know, the season dates, then whatever they do in one unit is going to happen in all the other units. Well, it, it, it's impossible to see. Uh, it's impossible to say yes for sure will happen, but it, it sets the precedence that the season's exactly the same. And if it's a harmonized system, there's nothing stopping them from doing that. Right. Is the massive worry about all of it. Okay. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, that, that's the real worry of it. Um, and, and to get into that goat issue, I don't know if you want to go to that already, but this, this freaking well, no, goat issue that happened. You, you tell me in whatever, order makes the most sense that we can educate everybody on this situation. So um, if you want to get into the goats now, we can get in the goats or we can yeah. keep going with. So, um, yeah, it, it, it does. So these about two, two hours after this proposed, this proposed regulation change came through, um, CBC news, which is our news network here in Canada mm -hmm. and a couple other smaller news networks started kind of popping the flare and popping off about, and it really started going, making headlines really quickly about, um, this crazy headline of how mountain goat in BC pop, the populations are on a steep decline. Mm -hmm. They're on a steep decline. They're, they're plummeting. And it was, came as a surprise to everybody because anybody that follows conservation or anything like that our mountain goat populations are doing great. Harvests are up. Everybody's ha like, it is the best it's ever been. Right. Um, so start digging into this, digging into the, where they got this article from and where it all compounded. And it was, uh, a fellow that works for, uh, Pacific, um, or sorry, not Pacific, the Raincoast Conservation Foundation, which is kind of the main anti-hunting organization okay. here in BC, mm -hmm. um, is a guy that works for them, worked with this KX Nation of First Nations, and they did an independent mountain goat survey. Their independent mountain goat survey, they're saying, came up with substantially less goats, and they came up with this massive article about how goats are in a desperate place here in BC, and CBC ran with it. So um, the the fact of the matter is this this article was drastically 
uninformed. They didn't push all the information out. And again, it was just another um, headline buzzword. Right. Um, anti-hunting, essentially anti-hunting um, article that they could just run through the mill. <clears throat> and with these caribou moose closures, it really really sets a scary precedent that anytime we start talking about first nations bands or anything to do with first nations and the decline of numbers it we were if this goes through with caribou and moose it's very easy they can go to the go to the mountain goat side and this this mountain goat survey that they did is the most preposterous scary lack of uninformed information you could ever put out like they um, for a little information on it, I've read the article multiple times, and I, I encourage everybody to go read it because it's pretty crazy when you start reading into what it, they actually did. They yeah, took you'll have students, to send it to me. I'll put it in the in the show notes. That'd be great. Um, they took students from the University of Victoria, which um, uh, the lower mainland, so the island, Vancouver Island and the mainland there, mm-hmm. holds the most population here in BC, but has no animals like right, i mean it's right. like it it's our downtown la so um they took two students out of the university of victoria and uh, two people from the raincoast conservation foundation and they flew up in a in a bubble helicopter they covered 542 square kilometers in uh a very uh coastal area of bc and they saw five essentially they saw 507 goats in that area okay um, they took anecdotal information from 40 years ago saying that, well, from the coastline, when they're down in boats, the natives from the coastline, they used to be able to see this many goats. So that's how many goats would be in the entire area. So they're saying <laughs> due to this information, there's it. less goats here. I love it. And yeah, so it's, it, it was very interesting and in, in where where they shot themselves in the foot, but CBC and no other news network actually read of that article mm-hmm. is it states right in there that they started digging into the BC um, harvest numbers on it. And there was, a, we have seen a drastic increase in the last 20 years of guided hunt, the success of guided hunts and the amount of successful guided hunts happening for mountain goats in BC. What we, what they, what they accredited was a decrease in re- or in uh, the decrease in licensed hunters non-guided that have been successful, mm-hmm. but they didn't attribute the massive increase in the last ten to fifteen years of people going into the backcountry and into the mountains. Right. The 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 massive increase in the last ten years of how many you know unexperienced and new people are going into the mountains, which is a great thing. But there's less tags cut. Like that's just how it works. Right. So. It, they they only attributed the the decline in in hunter success and they didn't they didn't talk about the more hunters that are in the backcountry they didn't talk about um, bringing new newer hunters in the backcountry and how that affects harvest and they did not talk about the increase in guided in guided mountain goat success rates which is drastically blown up right and right. It, it's just it, it all compounds into another another example about picking and choosing information yes, they're to, excellent for at doing best, excellent. to just get the narrative out and whatever they want. It, it, statistics are such a funny thing because they could be manipulated into so many different, um, you know, oops, sorry, that's my computer. Um, so many different, you know, ways that they can make it look like they want it to look. And it's just, it's, it's terrible. So, and it really is, and it, it's it's very sad because we have um, in in BC we have a provincial management system that is in place to make sure that every party that's affected by wildlife has a say, and it has been completely thrown out with this proposed closure. They've um, it, it's really sad on all fronts because people. Like there's always the argument of First Nations rights and Native Americans rights, especially here in BC and in Canada. And and the thing is, is this actually goes against all of it because they're not addressing any issues of resource extraction. They're not addressing any issues no. of breaking the treaties and, and, and logging all this area and pipeline running pipelines through all this area, which 
I'm not against industry in any way. I, I grew up in the oil field. Right, um, but still. But it, it's not addressing those issues. It's it's a weird, I don't even want to call it a Band-Aid. It's like, yeah. You're the low hang. You're the low hanging fruit in this in this scenario. Okay, you're the you're you're the low man on the totem pole, the the hunter, in in Canada, right? Exactly. The oil oil and uh, logging industry, they trump you. Why? Because they bring more money. It's always about greed. It's always about the almighty dollar. Just follow the freaking money, man. It's always about that. It really is, and it's it's a terrible thing because, you know. These people gonna eventually. What happens is they they cut off their nose to, nose to spite their face, so to speak, because mm-hmm. you know it's gonna go away. Things are gonna go away, and you're not gonna have the you know I don't know. It's I, I can't even put it into words right now. It's it makes me sick. <laughs> well, and sick. it's it it's so, and that they don't even take into account you know the the small towns like. You know Dawson Creek, Tumbler Ridge, um, the, these very very small towns that rely on the hunting, the industry that hunting brings in. Mm-hmm. Car- Caribou hunting brings half a million dollars into Deese Lake, BC. It's it's their only industry. You go up to, I, I encourage everybody take a flight up to Deese Lake and go check that town out because there's a gas there's a gas pump that closes down at five p.m. Oh, there's one restaurant in town and there's one hotel and the town comes alive in hunting season. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just in, it's such a lack of insight into wildlife management and, and science-based wildlife management. It's scary because yeah. if it starts there and then, you know, when you see articles like this coming up of goats and they take goats next and let's say they look at stone sheep mm-hmm. and they look at stone sheep and they say, Hey, uh, hey whatever they want to come up with about stone sheep and next thing you know that's gone and next thing you know you know we're trying to buy a tag for a for an elk in our own field from a first nations band it's, it's yeah. you know the reality of that isn't far off no it's not you see they like to look at this stuff they they're always quoting social science but it's funny to me because how hypocritical you just got done saying how this is going to devastate this little town right like how hypocritical of them to to put weight on one society or one group of people versus another like that that's not yeah that's not being uh you know what's the word I'm looking for uh that's not creating harmony and and doing what's best for everyone it's doing what's best for the guy who's the biggest who's the squeakiest wheel or who has the most yes. weight or has the most power. You know what I'm saying? That's not doing the best for everyone. So No, and, and you know, it's it's really just, it's breeding more segregation between us and First Nations. And and in reality, is this something that the Blueberry Band even wanted? It doesn't look like it is. So they're not happy. Nobody's happy in this situation except for the government that gets to take away a little bit more hunting stuff and get to wash their hands of this resource extraction issue, which is a massive billion-dollar lawsuit that should have been paid out. Right. Right. It, it's, I don't know, it's it's wild. And it's it, it when there's been issues in the past that come up about you know, predator management or black bear hunting or the grizzly bear hunting when it shut down. And it was always about, well, meat and trophy hunting and all that stuff. But this is the, this is the meat and potatoes, the, the ungulate harvest in northern BC, which is yeah. what families rely on. Like all everybody I grew up with relied on eating moose every year. Like there is there's no there's no way around that. Like right. even the farmers that were raising cattle couldn't afford their own cattle and they'd be out hunting moose. Like it's, we, these areas, especially when you get like north of Prince George and into that region seven area, mm-hmm. it, it's very middle-class, lower middle-class area. And <laughs> the, the truth is, and then that's not even getting into the history and heritage of passing on right. the, the hunting that gets passed on. Yeah. It doesn't it's, take into account a lot of things, obviously. It's very it's yeah, very it, obvious how how one sided it is. It's blatant, in my opinion. Yeah, it it's just uh 
sad broad paintbrush to paint of that doesn't solve any issues at all like like i said i don't think anybody's happy in this situation it's um i'd be curious if you could get a hold of somebody in first nations somebody who's uh you know a, a leader of some sort and get their opinion on it because yeah and that's it might it may be I mean, they, I, who knows like I don't know. You you mentioned something about having to buy a tag from them or whatever, but um, is is that what the government's trying to sell them? Hey, you can make up this because you're going to be able to sell this, or are they like I don't know? Are they just giving them lip service? Hey, we're going to give you here. You know, it's a is it a let them eat cake situation? You know, just like give them a, throw them a bone and let them shut up for a little bit. Like I don't know, like what they're trying to do. So it well, might be advantageous for you to open up a dialogue with, you know, somebody of, uh, you know, some kind of authority over there and, and find out what it is that's going on in, in their heads. Because, you know, you guys, the hunters, the hunters of Canada and or of BC, it should be all of Canada. You know, mm-hmm. all everybody should lock arms, whether you're from BC or not. But, um, you know, you might you might actually have the same end goal, right? So, I think that's something. Yeah, definitely needs to happen. You know, regardless I, I, of what the I, outcome I, I, is. Yeah, I completely agree, and it's it's a conversation that needs to happen with the right people. Um, there are so many hunters that over the years of um i want to tiptoe around how i say this but it's um with with the the first nations hunting rights here in bc Mm -hmm. uh it it has put a bad taste into a lot of people's mouths Mm -hmm. a lot of licensed hunters mouths about it because uh, first nations don't need tags. They don't need, uh, they don't need to follow this appropriate seasons. They don't need to okay. follow, um, any, any sort of rules for when they're hunting so they can hunt. Um, it's been pretty notorious to catch, you know, people post videos and stuff of, of, uh, bands running down cow moose on a frozen lake on a snowmobile that's pregnant and, all kinds of stuff like that that is for generations has created a real uh, uh, crater between licensed hunters and First Nations um, rights and regulations here in BC, and it's it's a touchy subject. Like it's obviously, yeah, it, it's a, like it. <laughs> yeah. You want to go to you <laughs> you you want to start a fight? Go to go to like a, a banquet, a wildlife banquet here, and start talking about First Nations hunting. Yeah. It's uh it's it'll get spicy real quick. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, that's not cuz I think well, I don't really know. I don't want to I don't want to get into it cuz I'm going to put my foot in my mouth cuz I don't know enough about it. So um Yeah, so I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to leave it at what you said and my suggestion is to try to reach out and figure out, <laughs> figure out what it is that, you know, how they feel about what's going on and what, it, if that was something that they wanted, I don't know, but, and if it was, definitely, then, then, you know, the hill's a lot steeper for you guys to climb, obviously. So. Absolutely. And if, and that, that's kind of, and in this proposal, there's a little, there's a scary little sentence at the last, at the end of it, which is that, this is stage one mm-hmm. of our of our uh, plan to to I could probably look it up and say give the exact wordage, but basically to repay the First Nations for for what's happened. So it's really scary what step two would be, what step three would be, how many steps there are, um, whether they are looking at. Uh, a First Nations controlled wildlife management system. It's it's a complete complete unknown. And it's just that, yeah, <laughs> it's a can of worms. Yeah, I, I sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, man, 
I, I'm going to say this, and this is definitely easier said than done, and I definitely don't have the, uh, the formula for you to do it. But one thing that I've noticed why Canada is an easier target for these type of things is that the relevance of hunters is not as uh, valuable in a sense as they are here in the States. And how could I let me explain that a little bit better? Our model of conservation, our infrastructure and hunting as an industry, okay? Actually, I don't even have to do air quotes for industry. It is an industry. It generates so much money that we can't be ignored. And really, it's the only reason why we're still around here. Otherwise, believe me, the politicians would be like, it's much easier to get rid of you guys because the antis and the, you know, it's, they're much squeakier than you, you know? And so my suggestion to you, and, you know, this is just you and me talking right now, um, is even though there's 5,000 people downloading this and, and listening to it, but um, it's just you and me talking. If, if it were me, and I don't know how much change you can, you can affect at this point, in a short amount of time. It's not really going to affect what, what you're talking about directly. But for the overall end goal and picture is I think you need to con- guys need to work at making a excise tax or something that says, okay, look, this is how much we're putting back into into. You know, it's not just about your donations or whatever. Just like I don't even know, I don't even know what that would be. I don't even know what it would look like. Ten dollars more per every tag and every license you ever you sell across the whole country for non-residents and residents and people visiting, whatever. I don't know what that. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know if that's millions. I don't know if it's hundreds of millions, whatever it is. But it's something that says okay. Now that we have this, this is that much extra money. Then all of a sudden, the gr- the greed lights start going off in politicians' heads, and all of a sudden, you're not as you're not as easy to sweep underneath the rug. Does that make sense? I, I don't know if I'm like it does. No, it, it really does. I think well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it it totally does make sense. I, I think yeah, it, it's something has to change whether it's that or or something has to happen because i mean speaking of the money that hunting raises um we we looked at the numbers with wild sheep society of bc Mm -hmm. uh last year and i'm just these are coming off the top of my head so they could be a little bit off but through tag and license uh tag and license cost in bc uh we generated 32 million dollars okay we had the BC wildlife budget for last year was eight million. Okay, but Not I'd long. love to know where the rest of that money went mm-hmm. and why. It's because a hundred percent of it, it states right in there as you're paying for your tag that that this that you're donating back to it is going back to wildlife. Mm-hmm. So at what point? Where is that twenty six odd million dollars? Yeah, I don't where know. is that going? And and who do we hold accountable for this? Because it's it's not the only point either that we're looking at it going uh you know you guys have a long leash here and we've you know hunters have just gone gone about their day to day and not done anything about it but right well, yeah it's we're spectacular at that so, yeah <laughs> yeah and i think i think hunters are are such a small population especially here in bc like a large perso- percentage of bc residents hunt mm-hmm. um, compared to other places but as a general number we're super small yeah i, I mean like i mean i was on a podcast with somebody told me it was 
Yeah, like 1.2 million hunters in all of Canada, which was super surprising to me. That's like really surprising to me. But I guess, I mean, what's your total population? Do you know? Oh, man. That's not very I, high. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to say because it's... That's like but the it's, state it's, of California or something like that. Like 30 million. Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, for an example, where I live here in Prince George, this is the hub of the north. This is the biggest city you can find within... 800 square kilometers and it's 72,000 people. That's not a lot. And this is like, yeah. this is big city living up here. Yeah. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. And I think we're like 2, two million people here. Just <laughs> so, and, and that's, that's the thing. And, and we're so spread out. Like, I mean, I can drive from here through the Pine Pass, which goes from uh, Prince George up into the Peace Country area that we're talking about. It's uh, 400 kilometers. 200 of that has no cell service. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one, one gas station on this side, one gas station on the other side, but there's people that live throughout that. Right. So there's, that's the thing is we're. You have almost as like many moose in one unit as you have people. That's crazy. Yeah. It, it is pretty wild. Like it's. We don't, we, yeah. don't, we have a couple of states. So like Wyoming there's like a million plus antelope and there's like a million people. Or eight hundred thousand people that live there, or something crazy. But yeah, it, there's not most most of the United States is it's which is crazy, and it should be a good argument for you guys. How does a place like Arizona that has I want to say the state has six million? I might be wrong on the number, but it's a lot. Okay, total five or six million might be more. Who knows? But we only have let's say I think like a hundred and eighty thousand deer total between mule deer and coos deer mm -hmm. and so if you do that percentage and we have an over-the-counter tag for archery and we put out i don't know how many freaking tags for rifle and the the management is still done in a way that there's a sustainable population and the money's coming in <laughs> and all this like it doesn't make sense to me how a place that has yeah. 56,000, would you say, 1,000 moves, 56 or 50? Uh, 50 to 60,000 in that one area. Yeah, one area, okay. So, and yeah. all of BC, how many moose do you think there are? Uh, I think last estimate was 135,000. 135,000. So 135,000. Yeah. And um, what's the population of BC, you know? I'd have to look it up. I, I, I'm I sure it's really that. skewed is what my point is, right? So we don't have to do it. We Very. don't have to be statisticians over here. But <laughs> it, it seems like to me that the resources there, it, it's not only available to people who live there. How many people from the United States or other countries come and spend money in Canada. I've been to Canada twice for moose and twice mm -hmm. for bear and once for, for yeah. whitetail in Saskatchewan. Like just on my well, five just on my five trips, okay, I can tell you that was probably twenty five thousand dollars or more that I've spent. You know, and the the you know, I got I got lucky because I was in T V at the time so the, my moose hunts were I would just taking care of costs and stuff so it wasn't like but if you go on a moose hunt in bc right now what does it cost 15 grand 16 grand i mean they're not cheap 30 grand yeah yeah and, and that's exactly it like and then you get into uh like these caribou closures how those affect guides when a guy that's oh yeah especially after after everything that's happened with with our border shut down mm -hmm. well first them taking away grizzly bear hunting which is a massive source of income now, the, then COVID closed all the borders down. BC oh, yeah. stays locked down like crazy. And, and now you want to throw this at them? Like these poor dudes. Like, yeah, that's they, crazy. Uh, it's insane. And, and that's the thing is like, and you want to talk about, so we're just talking about moose here, like 135,000 moose. That's not including, we have such a vast variety of, of wildlife, sustainable wildlife here in BC. We've got, for people that don't know, we have, so we have black bear, we had grizz, which we don't anymore, whitetail, mule deer, moose, mountain goat, stone sheep, bighorn sheep, uh, fanning sheep, uh, 
and then moose and caribou. Like we, there's a lot of animals running around this province. Right. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, man, I don't know. I wish I was a smarter person. I can help you figure that out. But I know, I know for a fact that the key when you're dealing with politics, it's always money. Mm-hmm. So it's it's try to I, honestly it's on a social scale. If you could get other Canadians involved that are not just from BC to get up in arms about it you have a chance of being you know pleading your case on a a social level but I I really think that needs to happen but I also think you need to figure out you guys need to figure out you know somebody who's way smarter than me and you and figure out (laughs) how to come up with something that makes sense to these people that all they see is you know, we follow. You know, they follow where the what's best for them, money wise, the and the government and all that stuff. So, I don't know. I'm definitely. I'm pretty disgusted and, right and now I, about things. So I'm 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 coming from a pretty dark spot on it. But yeah, it, it, it's you know, it is what it is. But no, I I hear you, and I mean, and the the sad truth is <clears throat> these these farmers and like we're talking about how spread out this province is. I have a hard time thinking that all of these old boys that have been running their farm that gets absolutely hammered by elk moose and, and deer and all this other stuff are going to stop hunting moose just because this is happening now. So like they're, and I'm not encouraging that by any means, but I'm just saying the reality of what it looks like. And this isn't, I want to make it really clear. This is not an anti-First Nations rights thing. This no. is not an anti-First Nations hunting thing. This is just purely government. I don't even know. Like just trading. Like it feels like just trading wildlife, like a trading card or a pawn in a game. And they're just passing it around back and forth, however they want it or wherever it suits them best. Yeah. It's definitely it's- not... It's it's not, not conducive to any sort of science based wildlife management. Right. I can tell you that it's not what's best for everybody. It's the government saying you're less important than whatever their agenda is, and it's a shitty freaking situation to be in. Um, and ultimately could hurt the wildlife because if that's not there, where's the money coming from to manage these herds? We already seen in areas now, right, where they're where the wolf and the bear population has gotten out of control. That shit got decimated. I mean, you have all mm-hmm. these, you know, predator pits going on in in these areas. I I don't know. I don't know. It's and and a funny funny little point on that, like that's a hard thing I think for people to wrap their head around that aren't directly seeing it like where we have put effective predator management in place for for wolf and bears our our uh, harvestable limits mm-hmm. on wildlife has doubled in there so we're looking at it at a 15 to 25 percent effective harvest rate in that area where we wouldn't affect those wildlife and where we wouldn't affect the wildlife numbers mm. and it's just do so we go from five to ten percent to 15 to 20 it's like just by doing predator management in those areas. That's crazy. It's, and that's exactly it. It's a multi-tiered issue that if we, because I can tell you right now where we're doing predator management is in those caribou areas. While Chief Society of BC, working with BC government and BCWF, they're the ones who saw the need to, to save caribou in BC. And they started on that, the wolf calling and the bear projects and everything like that. That's what saved those caribou. So exactly like you said, that'll we can hunt caribou. Are we going to keep doing putting the money in there? We might, but once you once you lose, like you know, a stake in the game, like yeah, there's there's going to be some people that do it just because we love the wildlife and we love you know being out there or whatever. 
but most of us are not going to want to do it anymore. Like, you know, you know, I, well, I would say a lot of hunters, a lot of hunters don't already don't understand what, you know, what their role is in conservation, but it's something they love to do. It's part of their heritage. It's something, um, that, um, is part of them, but they don't understand that. So, you take that away from them, they just see that you're taking away this and they don't know that the wildlife is going to suffer because they're no longer involved, you know? And it's, uh, uh, it's, absolutely. it's just a bad, it's a bad, I, we, we talk about this all the time that it, the anti hunting movement and, and so many things, if they succeed, it's actually an anti wildlife thing. Like if you do mm-hmm. this and you succeed and you manage to eliminate whatever it is, bear hunting or whatever it is, it's actually going to hurt the wildlife. It's going to hurt the whole system. Like, you, you, I don't know. And, and like over here, we're having this constant battle with, you know, reintroduction of wolves here and this and that. And <laughs> yeah. You guys love us for yeah. that. Be like, ah, just keep come taking some more from Canada. We'll just get yeah. some freaking giant I, Canadian it, tundra wolves that never existed in the United States running around. That, like you know, it, when when I saw that pass in in Colorado, there that was it was idiotic. like idiotic. Uh, unbelievable with with what we're dealing with here in BC when that passed. I could not. I couldn't, could not comprehend it in my head. It's, it's absolutely idiotic. Well, and listen, I'm not an anti-wolf guy, and I'm not an anti-predator guy. I don't think I'm not one of those people like, oh, they should all be killed. And da, da, da. I'm not. I'm, that's not me. But I am a guy who believes that if you enter into a system in any way, shape, or form, and that system is, in, in this case, is you know, the wildlife ecosystem, right? You can't just manage one side of it. It's a big circle, right? If you manage one side of it, the other side gets lopsided. And you can't just hunt undulates, right? And then not hunt predators. You can't, it it has to be all managed. If you're going to, if you're going to put wolves, you're going to take wolves and you're going to put them into a, into the system that one they haven't freaking been in excuse my french for a hundred years but let's let's put them back into the system that none of these animals know how to deal with this predator because they've never been grown up and it's already out of their system to not be uh you know uh, be used to dealing with them and and you don't manage the wolves too then i mean it's like what's the fucking point like you're you're just ruining you're just ruining everything like there's no uh, well, it, too and, many people and too many people uh, leading with emotion, right? And not thinking about the whole picture of things. Well, and that is exactly it. And I don't think any of us are. We want to see a healthy wildlife population on all fronts. I want to see. I want to see bears. I want to see. I want to cross wolf tracks and not feel angry about it right. because I'm crossing so many. Like right. I. Same with cougars. Like we have a huge problem with cougars here in BC, and it's and a lot of those like I mean, old women running around. We (laughs) well, and I mean, yeah, yeah. just just a but yeah, Uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, an interesting place we put ourselves in, um, because then you bring it all back to this industry this industry and resource extraction issues that we have in the up here in the piece and when you look at an area that's extremely re- remote and then you see this spider web of uh when an oil lease goes in there which again I'm not against that kind of stuff but you can drive down that road and I'm going to see every single wolf track bear track everything's running straight down that road mm-hmm. and it opens it up to these animals and it, it, it is so apparent when you go there and it, it is not uncommon to drive, be driving up in that peace country area and see a wolf kill right in the center of the road. Oh yeah. Like it's, I just read a study about 
how wolves are utilizing like logging roads and trails uh basically that are made by man man man-made trails and so on and so forth and it has um increased their effective rate to kill by like i don't remember what the number was but it's a lot (laughs) you know it's a steep percentage and what and then it gets into that argument of what we see with that is the excess killing because they have the the ability to track down so many ungulate herds in the winter and right. different things like that. Um, I'm not the right guy to talk to about the wolf stuff. There's amazing biologists yeah. here in BC that they're the ones heading all this wolf management stuff and, and handling the wolf calls. And when you hear these bios that are so passionate and love wolves and all they talk about is how amazing wolves are and all this doing. And then they're saying, we need to call them. It's like, wow. Like it's obviously if the people that love the wolves are saying they need to cut the numbers down, there's, there is a reason it's not just coming out of nowhere. Yeah. I went seven days hunting in BC for moose and might've been the time of year or wherever I was hunting, whatever, but I saw no legal bulls, a couple of cows and calves. And the only shot opportunity I had really was actually out of wolf. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I was pretty crazy. Um, I've seen a lot of wolf sign, a lot of bear sign, just, you know, it, all, all of it needs to be managed the same way it needs everything needs to be taken Mm -hmm. into consideration everything needs to be looked at holistically it doesn't it's one is not exclusive of the other and we're not exclusive everybody likes you know anti-hunting's favorite thing to say is oh let's just let it be and you know it'll it'll write this you know it'll come back to wait or just let the predators do what the predators do it'll balance out you don't need to shoot deer or whatever and it's so not true because we've been, we're not aliens to this planet, right? We've been here since the animals have been here. This, we, we're mm-hmm. part of the system. When we've been managing, whether we knew it or not, we've been managing herds for years and years since, you know, since the dawn of time, right? And the other thing is, hey, I'm, only, I'm 46 years old. I'm going to turn 46 this month, actually. When I was a kid, there was 4.2 or 4.3 billion people in the world. There's 8 billion people now. So in like 35 years, 40 years, we've almost doubled, right? Now it's like you can't ignore, you can't just let things be. You have to be with that conservation mindset. You know, you have to be with, hey, we're the the animals that have the intellect, right? We're the ones that have the ability to reason and to come up with plans. So it's on us to be the stewards of the world, right? We have to be the ones that say, okay, let's actively manage this and manage this and manage. Let's get, let's, let's look at everything and put everything. To, so it's here for our children, for our grandchildren and everything else. And and it's not just wildlife. It's, it's everything, you know, it's trees and you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not like a, a green guy in any way, shape, or form. But I am a guy that says, you can't just do one thing. You know, the answer is not just freaking electric cars. The answer is not just, you know, this or whatever. That you have to look at everything and do anything and everything possible to make it all, to all work. And that's, I mean, that's our big downfalls. That I, I think most people. And there's a generalization, of course, but most people I think are very short-sighted. They only see what's in front of them and what means whatever means to them. This affects me and affects me right now, and that's what I want to fix. And I don't think most people don't look past that. I went to school to become rangeland manager uh, for rangeland manager and ecologist. And when I got done with that, I started looking at things differently. I look at things, you know. I guess through a different lens now. And I, uh, I, I feel like 
the idea of the North American model of conservation, that same idea should be applied to freaking everything because it makes sense. It takes into account users. It takes into account every piece of the puzzle. Like, And these were very smart people that came up with this, you know. It's not that hard to implement and, and, and make it work for everybody. The problem is, you know, it just goes back to what I said earlier. It's about freaking greedy-ass people that just want a certain thing, a certain agenda, whatever it is. It's resource development or whatever it is in Canada right now, you know. they Or they want peace with a, you know, First Nations, so they throwing them a bone and telling them, here, here you go, look what we're doing for you even though that might not be what they well, want, you know, it's like. Yeah. And I mean, that's exactly it. It's this unchecked power of, of just playing all the industries. I don't want to say against each other, but they use them all as cards and, and pawns. Like I was saying before, where they can just kind of toss around or move them as they need them. And whatever puts more money in your pocket is the right. way that we're going to do it. And, and it's, uh, yep. you know, like, I, it just blows me away to to trade wildlife management for resource extraction is so wild. It just does. It seems like I'm just living in a in a in a weird world. It's not even reality. Like it's just how do those two equate each other in any sort of fashion? Yeah, no, pretty ridiculous. Pretty ridiculous. But it it. And as ridiculous as it is, look at the way of the world right now. Look at the way, what everything's happening. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. Not even a little bit. <laughs> I mean, freaking elections being stolen, shit. Like, stuff that's just like, people just, they glaze over. They do, Now they don't even try to hide what's going on anymore, right? Like, there's no. so much crap going on in people's plain sight. And if you yeah. say something about it, you know you're you're the asshole. <laughs> like if that's the that's the new thing, you're you're fucking canceled if you don't if you don't just fall in line. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You want to take this away from us? Oh, cool. Yeah, let's let's do that. Here, take it, take it. I'll just fucking bend over and give it to me. You know. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And 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 then it goes back to like, and I know you guys down in the states talk about load. About it lots where like one city center is is running the yeah. entire province oh yeah or sorry the entire state, state yeah. and we see it t- terribly up here because there's a line in canada you can draw just north of vancouver in the lower mainland so right. only about i want to say it's 50 kilometers north of vancouver you can draw that line straight across canada and that line we have 95 percent of our population lives south of that line right yeah so we have only 10 to 5% that live north of oh, yeah. 60 kilometers from the U.S. border. And it's like, what the hell? Why are those people making decisions for when they're only in 1% of the land? Like, yep. it's... It's crazy. It's, it's nuts. Oh, yeah. It's... Yep. And we saw... It, it was really funny. We saw it here in B.C. about, well, this summer, you know, l- last spring... There was a big push for the anti hunt uh, for the anti hunting movement and everything like that to close down predator hunting in BC. They wanted to shut down bear hunting and coyote hunting, wolf hunting, all this stuff. That ended immediately in the. Well, luckily we pushed that off. But then it was funny because the first thing in the fall, when there's coyotes in Stanley Park downtown Vancouver attacking people's dogs and biting people on their ankles, the first thing was we got to get rid of those coyotes. We got to get them out of here. Yep. And it's like. I love it. What happened? You guys were the ones asking for the predator ban. I love it. That's what that's what happened in, in Denver. Freaking a couple of, you know, pets get stolen off somebody's back porch from a mountain lion roaming in a neighborhood and they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, we know we need still need lion hunting, you know. That's uh, it's fucking ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Anyway, well, I appreciate you coming on and uh shedding some light on this for us and uh you know um, I'm sure I, I could speak for Alpha Wildlife. We're definitely going to, you know, get behind you guys here and help you get through this the best we can. So, um, and hopefully it doesn't end up in disaster, you know. <laughs> I, 
I, I never know, but I, I don't think it will. I think if you can, you guys can rally the troops, I think your voice will be heard. And I, I sure hope so. And I mean, there's um, the, the nice thing is, is that this BC, um, this open to comment thing that they put out with this proposal, anybody, regardless if you're in BC or not, can voice your opinion on it. Right. So you can... You can log in, you can oppose it, and you can state that you stand with science-based wildlife management. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just hoping that, you know, <laughs> just hoping and praying that there's enough voices that they can't ignore it, um, yeah. whether there is or not. And our MLAs get enough of a, of a mass inbox yep. dump where they can't ignore it. I don't know, That'd be but excellent. I appreciate everything you guys are doing and I appreciate you guys bringing this to light. Um, yeah, it's awesome for us up here in Canada. We kind of watch from afar on a lot of the stuff that's happening and feel a little disconnected, but this is, it's been amazing the support coming from uh, south of the border and everybody else. So it's much appreciated. Awesome. Well, thank you very much again and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. Um, and check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.